Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Shh, a hot dog is singing. You need quiet while a hot dog is singing? As promised, joining us in studio now, uh, two very special guests. I dare say we've had some great guests on, on the movie zone, Adrian. Yes. I I've not been more interested in a story from uh, the the subjects of our interviews more than these two gentlemen here. Uh, first, wow. we'll introduce Scott Budnick. Scott is the executive producer of the movie Just Mercy, and uh, of course, he's got a lot of everyone's favorite comedies. Scott has been attached to from the hangovers to old school and and uh, things of war dogs even which yes. was a an underrated funny movie <laughs> with a serious subject uh, albeit uh, Scott welcome Thank thanks you so for being much. here it's great to be here appreciate it uh, of course and then of course uh, Carrie Myers is here in the studio with us as well representing uh, uh, from the uh, uh, Louisiana parole project and represent justice yes uh, Carrie uh, was wrongfully accused and convicted of murder and sat in prison wrongfully for decades. And he's here with us today to talk about uh, that story. And Carrie, welcome and honored to have you here, oh, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Where, well, let's start, if you don't mind, Scott, let's start with Carrie's story. Please. And then we'll get to Just Mercy and because there's real strong tie-ins with that story. And, of course, and we'll tell you about Just Mercy. But, Carrie, uh, the first thing... As I'm racking my brain and writing down page after page of questions I wanted to ask you today, the number one thing I decided I wanted to ask you was, how do you cope with sitting in prison for as long as you did, knowing that you were an innocent man? How do you cope with something like that? Well, initially there's anger and frustration, um, and then you realize that that's at some point, uh, hopefully you get to that point, I'm, I did because I had you know, so much support behind me. Uh, you get to the point where that's just counterproductive. That's like, you know, it's like having a disease and wishing someone else would die from it. It mm. just kills you. It, it doesn't do anything productive. Uh, so I wanted, to be, I wanted to maintain who I was. I wanted to hold on to myself and not lose myself in there. Mm. Uh, so I've sought out the most productive things that I could do. Uh, and that, that gave me purpose. Uh, Ne- didn't necessarily give me hope, uh, but it certainly it certainly gave me purpose to get up every day. Hope, I think, is something I manufactured uh, mm. on a regular basis, mm. uh, just to just to move forward. Because I really didn't believe that was the end uh, of my story, and and thankfully it wasn't. Right. And then when you uh, when you left prison, I think it would be easy just to want to come out and just get revenge and make you know you know what i'm saying but you came out you turned it into such a positive influence and talk about that transition and then getting into the work that you have done for so many years afterwards well you know when i got there i had two attitudes one was righteous indignation uh being there for a crime i didn't commit and the other one was arrogance that i'm not like these people i never gave prison or people in prison or i never gave it a second thought probably like most people uh and then i was humbled very quickly uh, what I found there, the people I met there, the integrity of many of the people that I met there uh, astounded me. It hmm. just – more integrity than people I knew before I went to prison. People who, who sought redemption every single day that, and, and lived for it and lived their lives that way. And 
you know, there was a point as I knew I was uh, or believed, didn't know that I was going to leave. I said, I can't, I cannot put this in my rearview mirror and and not look back. Um, when I f- first got out, I was uh, I was doing a bit of writing. Uh, uh, I have a degree in journalism, and I was the editor of the Angelite magazine there for 16 years, hmm. and uh, realized that I had a voice. Uh, but it was hard to, to tell you the truth. It was hard to make a living as a freelance journalist hmm. uh, who had spent 27 years in prison. Yeah, and uh, then finally I, I made a connection at, for, with an old friend at the Sentencing Project, a man named Mark Maurer, who asked me to collaborate on a book called The Meaning of Life. And just as I was finishing that up, uh, my attorney and another person that I knew from Angola uh, came to me and said, we're starting this, this nonprofit called Parole Project, and we want to help lifers, uh, particularly juvenile lifers who had the U.S. Supreme Court had just given an opportunity for second chances to, and uh, I said, I'm in. You, uh, juvenile offenders, that's a common theme that you and Scott share. Scott, you worked uh, on a movie, they, they Call Us Monsters, I think is the name yeah. of the film, a documentary of juvenile offenders who were charged as adults for crimes that they may or may not have committed. Some were innocent, some were not. But they, it, that was the whole subject. How is that where you first had your passion, Scott, for this kind of redemption work, redemptive uh, 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 chase? Because you are also the CEO of One Community, a company that is looking to ensure that positive social change comes through bad things like that happening. Yeah, um, I was actually uh, doing old school, um, and it was uh, in the early 2000s, and a friend of mine asked me to come down, uh, he was working on the movie with me, he asked me to come down to a local juvenile hall and be a guest speaker in a creative writing class to 14, 15, 16-year-old kids that were incarcerated. And uh, I went down to that juvenile hall and sat with a dozen young young kids and turned to the kid that was right next to me, he's close as us, and said, how was your week? He goes, it was a really bad week. I just got sentenced to 300 years to life. Whoa. And he was 15 years old. Oh, my um, and uh, I asked David what happened, and he said, I stood next to my friend who shot the victim in the butt. The victim was in and out of the hospital in a day. And for standing next to the guy with the gun, David was going to prison uh, as a 15-year-old for 300 years to life. And as we went around that table and I heard the stories of those young people, it was stories of foster care. It was the stories of physical abuse and sexual abuse. It was really very, very uh, obvious to see kind of hurt people hurt people, right? That these kids were all victims before they became victimizers. Mm-hmm. And I knew who I was at 15 years old was not who I was at 20 or 25 or 30 years old. And I don't think any kid should be judged for the worst thing that they've done. And we, I believe that every kid can earn redemption. Um, and so I told those kids on that day, I'm going to start teaching this class every Saturday. And if you guys are willing to do the work to change your lives, I'm here till the wheels fall off. I don't care if it's 300 years. And if, until I can't do it anymore, I'm by your side. And it's, I was the movie producer that uh, was doing the, the criminal justice work. There was another kid in that class named Adam who went to prison for six years at 16 years old. And when he got out, he said, Scott, um, you promised me you'd help me find a job. We we're about to start a hangover. I said, come work uh, on this film. That kid showed up, showed up an, early, an hour early every day out hustled everyone attitude of gratitude so happy to be there and at the end of it 
uh, our prop master said, this is one of the greatest guys I've ever hired. I want to take him on to Iron Man. They took <laughs> him on. They put him in the union. He went from $12 an hour to $48 an hour. And the kid is now in the union making $200,000 a year. His five brothers are now in the union. Lifted the entire family out of poverty. Wow. But it was that kind of dual life that it kind of turned me into. Yeah, that would make me passionate about something. Yeah. Like you, like sitting next to someone and turning to them and saying, humanity. "15 yeah. years old, I'm here for 300 years." Mm. That that would that's incredible. That blows me away. And uh, how did uh, you guys get in touch with? How did this story to make this movie Just Mercy that we're talking about? How did this come to be uh, between you? Well, I mean, we wanted to create a film that not only is entertaining and commercial, which it is, I mean, uh, there's a 99% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and Mm. people love it, but we wanted a film that made impact, right? And could help change hearts and minds. And just like the story of David in his 300 years, right? That's a story, right? Stories can move people. Um, And I remember meeting the guy who ran like the marriage equality movement. And I asked him, what was the biggest game changer in legalizing gay marriage? Uh, and he looked at me and he said, Will and Grace. <laughs> and really, The sitcom Will and Grace? The sitcom that people who were not proximate to gay couples, didn't know them over a 10-year period between Will and Grace and Ellen and Glee and Modern Family, just their hearts softened and opened uh, towards that. And I knew with the people that I worked with in prison, I know Carrie knows it too, when you meet human beings, right? Absolutely. Not a scary crime you see on the news, but when you meet a human being that did something potentially awful, but has really made the decision to change. When it becomes human, people's hearts and minds open. And so when we started this campaign, the social impact campaign around Just Mercy called Represent Justice, um, the one thing I said is I want this campaign to be led by those that know the system better than anybody, people that have been in the system, that know what justice should look like, right? And um, we brought a bunch of people together uh, who had experienced this uh, as surrogates for the campaign. And Kerry was one of the lead surrogates. You want to add to that, Kerry? No, that's exactly the way it happened. And, you know, it's, it's, it was an opportunity uh, to take what all of the surrogates are doing and, and use the power of Represent Justice in the film and the message behind the film. And the film is talking about essentially equity and fairness and truth. And shouldn't we all want that in, in yeah. our justice system? Yeah. And I don't want to even say criminal justice system, because that's that even kind of leaves a connotation that that people are exact one thing that they've done, and that's not true. Uh, wow, I have I have never thought of it like that, Carrie. Criminal justice, that connotation of the word criminal. We're all we're all humans. We're all uh, supposed to be uh, eligible for fair and equal justice. Regardless of what we have or have not done, justice needs to be served. That that just and it shouldn't matter the, your economic status or the yeah. color of your skin or your social status. Uh, it should be, it sh- there should be equity. Let me ask you, Carrie. Uh, how common is a story like yours behind bars? Uh, how how many would you estimate, or do you know of some numbers of innocent people that are incarcerated? Well, certainly, I certainly believe I met. Uh, other innocent people there. It's really hard to put a number on it. I, I'm from Louisiana, and Louisiana has one of the the highest uh, wrongful in, in, uh, conviction rates in the country. The, but it's not just it's not just here. It's it's a system that that values wins over truth. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's only as good as the integrity of the people who operate it. Uh, 
and and it and we can do better and we need to do better and we should do better and we need to demand better which a movie like this hopefully is that vehicle for people to do better and, and inspire more uh closer we need perfect we need perfect equality and perfect justice hopefully this gets us closer mm-hmm. to that Definitely. And uh, I want to talk about the movie a little bit as well. Um, you know, making a film that it's uh, the director, Destin Daniel. Is it Cretton? Is that how you Cretin, say yeah. it? Yeah. He, uh, uh, Glass Castle directed mm-hmm. that short turn 12 with mm-hmm. Brie Larson as well. I think he's a great director. He's such a great cast. Kind of talk about how this movie came together, the cast and um, getting it off the ground and yeah, making such a great film. So. Um, Just Mercy is a book that's sat on the New York Times bestsellers list for over 200 weeks, wow. uh, written by Brian Stevenson, um, uh, someone I've worked with for a long time and a hero of mine. Uh, I read the book. I actually got it from Starbucks. They had it on the counter of Starbucks <laughs> in every Starbucks in the, in the yeah. world for a while. And um, it just really blew my mind and, and detailed Brian's work representing people in the criminal justice system. And uh, uh, when the book came out, a great producer named Gil Netter, uh, optioned the rights to it and quickly Michael B. Jordan came aboard to play Brian Stevenson he was blown away mm-hmm. by it not only came on board to play Brian but um, came on board to produce the film Michael B. Jordan is is one of the three producers on the film wow um, yeah and he, he that means he, he's really believing in this his thing, heart yeah. is into this as a film as well as um, opening folks hearts and minds and in creating impact in communities um and uh, it was with another studio first, and then it went to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers just em- embraced it. Um, and Warner Brothers has a culture and uh, has an incredible kind of diverse leadership and embraced the film. And quickly, Mike gave it to Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx came on board. Bree had a relationship with Destin from mm-hmm. Short Term 12. She came on board. And um, we did incredible things. Like we took the entire Warner Brothers marketing department to uh, a prison in California, and they spent four or five hours in a prison talking to folks who were incarcerated to see the depth of impact that that this film could make, uh, and to kind of give them wind in their sails as they were going to to market the film around the world. And um, the film's the film is absolutely incredible. And you never know when you make a movie. It's like when we made Hangover, such a different movie, right? right? Different genre, different everything. But you never know what you have until you put it in front of an audience, and that audience tells you what they think. And when we put Just Mercy in front of an audience, and this is incredible, an average movie tested about a seventy-five, which means seventy-five percent of the people rated excellent or very good. Mm-hmm. When I did Hangover, it was in eighty-six or something like eighty-seven. And that was much higher than the average, right? Yeah. Just Mercy was a 97. Wow. And we thought, oh, is that just California and a progressive group? So we brought it to Kansas City and put it in front of a majority white audience. It tested a 98. <laughs> and it was, it really works because it's hopeful, it's inspirational, but really it's rooted in values, not partisanship or not race. It's really rooted in values of mercy and redemption, like many values that are even biblical, right? Mm-hmm. And on our campaign, we have everyone from, we had a meeting at George Soros's foundation, which is kind of the, represents the left with Coke Industries, the Koch brothers, with prison fellowship, with right on crime, which is the conservative criminal justice movement. And this campaign is that, right? All walks of life, all folks, um, all uh, elements of the spectrum. And I really believe it's a movie that in a, what, what's right now seems like a very divisive time, mm. it's a movie that can unite us around shared themes for, for justice. I, I, I got to say, I love the, there are so many little ways to make a difference when making a movie. And you could just say, hey, let's 
like the marketing. Hey, just you know, get it out there. Let's see what we can do. But mm-hmm. if you, like you say, it's rooted in something different. It's rooted in, hey, we took these people to meet with real people who are incarcerated to tell their stories and use this as part of your platform to make this movie great. And it sounds like there was such a universal, as part of this whole movie-making process, it was all rooted in that kind of thing, is to bring light to some misjustices out there in the world. Yeah, and and I think 100%, and it's even why we're here screening uh, tonight for the Utah Jazz. Um, We really believe that, that the NBA and the Jazz and players have a real platform to reach folks um, just like the film business does. And in going around and screening for teams and being able to see the game last night and talk to folks in the arena and to be able to screen the film for the team tonight, um, it's really uh, kind of bringing them together to understand the issues, but also have them understand the power of their platforms, yeah. right? Like this is an enormous platform to speak to America and to demand a fair justice system. That's why we're, we're grateful to have you here in studio talking to our audience. If one person hearing the movie zone, hears you guys talk about your story, Carrie, and your background, Scott, and then this movie, Just Mercy, and they whether they go and see the movie or not, if one person changes their heart, I think that's, we're so grateful you're, you're here to share that with us on, in front of these microphones. I want to be respectful of, of your time. We could go for days with both of you, and uh, I'm probably going to media, uh, uh, social media and internet stalk you both the rest of your lives, so go. prepare for that. Well, he's basically uh, a Utah, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott does yeah. have some Utah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. And you're welcome back anytime. This is your uh, show now. If you have a, something you need to talk about and present, we're happy to help. I love, anytime. I love this state. All of my in-laws are here. I stayed it with my mother-in-law last night uh, in Mill Creek. Um, Sweet. And Not I, a lot of people would do that, you know, the, the connotation of mother-in-law, you know, you don't want to stay with, but you like your mother. I adore my mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, I good answer. My, and I have a great wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, You do, yeah. We were talking before air, and yeah. you have a great family, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we let you go, though, I'm going to break a journalism cardinal rule and ask you both the same question and i'll ask carrie to answer first but then scott i think it applies to you as well what overall mantle or pressure is a bad word but feeling do you carry every day that drives you to do things like represent justice and the the parole uh, campaigns that you're involved with parole in louisiana what what drives you to that and what do you hope people take from a movie like Just Mercy or a message that you're sharing with us? I think what drives me is the people that I left behind. Uh, you don't spend 27 years living in and out, daily in and, in and out in a, in a dormitory setting or the kind of confines that you do in prison without getting to know people. And I, I'm certainly, I was there for a crime I didn't commit, but I certainly saw people there who may have committed the, the crimes they were convicted of, but don't deserve to be thrown away. Uh, don't deserve the type of sentencing uh, that we have. Didn't deserve the type of justice that they got getting there. And 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 that motivates me. Uh, and and I think this movie touches on all of those themes, uh, regardless of of how you got there. Uh, that people are not necessarily disposable. Uh, they have value. Uh, it's about humanity. I saw humanity every day uh, while I was in prison, and, and it astounded me sometimes. I, I, watched, I watched people convicted of murder changing the diapers of dying men <laughs> in a hospice program, and if that's not humanity, I don't know what is. 
and that's not what people certainly expect of them. So we have to stop labeling people as one thing. They're more than the worst thing they've ever done. Uh, people change. Uh, people mature, particularly, particularly the, 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 the juveniles, the, young, the youth. Is like what you did at 15 is not what you, who you are at 40. Uh, and a one-size-fits-all system um, is, is detrimental to public safety. It doesn't enhance public safety. Scott? I mean, I think just seeing what a better community we would have um, if we had a fair system, and it's everyone involved, right? I mean, I do a lot of work with victims of crime um, who have been victimized um, and who go into prisons to talk to folks to, to understand the impact of, of crime and how that has on lives and families, um, to see them heal, to see them uh, go back and try to show folks in prison um, and motivate them to tell the, change their lives. When I go into prisons and I see people that I knew were 15 years old in juvenile hall and to then see them as a 25-year-old in prison with a college degree or to see them in a seminary program becoming a pastor or to see them becoming uh, and proud that they just became a union construction worker or they're out in California fighting the fire wildfires and, and going from uh, a pariah of their community to now the heroes of their community, saving people's homes and neighborhoods and seeing the pride that they have on their faces and knowing that they've done their time, they have been accountable, um, but now they want to go be heroes. They want to help other kids not follow in their footsteps and send their children on a path into college and not in a path into prison. It's these things. It's, it's the human beings. It's the folks that carry personally... Uh, left behind that he lived with for 27 years, but it's the people I go in and visit um, and love and see change. And um, I know they'd be great out here. And because of some draconian sentencing laws and uh, laws where, where the, the price of it does not fit the crime, we see some of the greatest people that are sitting there 20, 30, 40 years who could be huge assets in their community. That's what moves me. <laughs> Wow, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I, thank you doesn't do justice, the, the message you've shared. I, I don't, you could probably tell I'm touched, Adrian's touched, and I think a lot of people that will hear this and have been listening, they'll want to sign up and help and volunteer and get involved, and obviously the first thing that they could do is go see Just Mercy. Let it touch you. Let it let it uh, impact you. But if they want to get involved beyond that, any recommendations or advice to people who would like to help out? Well, I think they can uh, go to the uh, Represent Justice website uh, okay. as a start. Representjustice.org. But yes. your organization, Carrie? Uh, Louisiana Parole Project. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work to do uh, in Louisiana. We have the highest incarceration rate per capita than any other state in the nation and the highest per capita rate of life without parole than any other state in the nation. So we have a lot to do. And I think also um, support the work of Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative that Just Mercy is all about, EJI.org. Um, and just overall, as you're living in your community and deciding what your hiring practices in your business are, uh, or uh, paying attention to your prosecutor election, the election to your DAs, um, or what laws you're voting on, or what politicians you're voting in. Um, tough on crime is not always smart on crime. 
And um, I think if you just understand the humanity that people can change and you take that into your everyday life, uh, we'd have a much um, more together community. He's Scott Budnick. And he's Kerry Myers. Gentlemen, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Honestly, appreciate it. It was awesome. Uh, We'll be right back, somehow wrap up uh, (laughs) the movie zone this week, and uh, we, we thank you for your time again. We'll be back.